That being said, I want to uh, take a look back right where we left off last week. Last Sunday, we began a study of the book of Colossians. We heard the first few paragraphs of Paul's letter to the Christians who lived in the city of Colossae last week. And kind of the theme of his opening there was he wanted them to understand that growing up means recognizing how big a tribe we belong to. When we're kids, we tend to think of our families in terms of the people who live in our household. For many of us, that might have been a mom or dad, some siblings, uh, but it's a relatively small group. As we get older and older, we begin to meet cousins and aunts and uncles, our grandparents. We meet extended family. As we get into adolescence, we, we're invited to, uh, uh, to weddings or, or reunions, and we meet second cousins, and, oh, come meet, this is my uncle. You've never met your great uncle. And the family just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. By the time we're adults, um, we oftentimes are at least aware of family members who live across the country or maybe even in other parts of the world. We have a growing awareness of just how big our tribe is. And though we might feel small and insignificant, I would speculate that the Colossians felt small and insignificant. God wants us to know as we grow up that we are part of a tribe of millions our number stretches around the world and throughout time. And that means we, we here in Downers Grove, we here at Hobson Road Community Church, we are not too small. Amen. We are not too weak. We are not too insignificant. We matter. And because we matter, others are praying for us. Did you know this? This morning, even right now as we worship, there are people that have never been in this building that are praying for Hobson Road Community Church today because we matter. There are people that know us by association, that have been by, that know that we exist, that are familiar with our ministry. Folks in this, in this state, in this country, and around the world that are lifting up the people of Hobson Road Community Church this morning in prayer. We matter. Others are praying for us just like Paul was praying for the Colossians. They want God's best for us as we continue to grow up in the faith. And so with that in mind, let's take a look at Paul's next words, picking up where we left off last week in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul writes this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Remember, Paul never met these folks. He had never visited the church, but from the day he heard about them, from the moment that he knew they existed, he said, man, these are, this is part of the team. And we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Let me hold up there just a second and explain what he's saying. He's saying, we are praying that you will grow up and knowing how to live a life equal to the kingdom that you are a part of. That you will live a life equal to the kingdom that you are a part of. Think of it this way. It's like planning a, a vacation to Disney World. Uh, I haven't been to Disney World since the late 1970s. I understand it's changed a bit since then. Okay. Also, I was two and I don't remember a thing. But it would be like planning a trip to Disney World and, and booking a room at one of the Disney Resort hotels. 
Maybe even splurge and, and get one of the suites. You know what I'm talking about? The hotels that they have right on property. It would be like booking a room at the hotel. I suppose that if you went there with your family, if you had a child young enough, if you brought a Nori Hall with you, and she is so cute, you just might want to do that. You could convince that child that the vacation was the hotel. If you had maybe a toddler, you could convince them that we're gonna stay in this hotel room, we're gonna watch the movies, we're gonna eat in the food court, and we're gonna swim in the swimming pool, and we're gonna have a great time because the vacation is right here in the hotel. But you couldn't convince a teenager of that. You couldn't convince a grown-up of that. As we grow, we recognize that there's a whole big kingdom right at our fingertips. In context of Disney, the magic kingdom, right? It's right there. You don't go to Disney, book a room in the hotel, and then stay in the hotel the whole time. You want to live a vacation life worthy of the kingdom that you came to visit. And Paul's saying, I want you to live a life worthy of the kingdom you've been called to. Don't be a little child who thinks, man, this is the best hotel pool I've ever seen. You're missing out. Let me continue what he says with that in mind. He says, if you're not, uh, he, he can, can we just edit that and post? Good, good, good. He continues in his thoughts with this checklist. He says, there's four things that you can do now. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. We'll come back to those four things later. He just ends with this thought. For you have been rescued, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has rescued us and he has brought us into that kingdom. That final verse, that verse that remains on the screen right there is a verse that I shared with you a couple of weeks ago in a different study that we were doing when I was talking about the nature of salvation. It was talking about this rescue and this, this change. Another translation says this transfer that takes place from one kingdom to another kingdom. In other words, here was the point I shared a couple weeks ago and I wanna reemphasize it today as this is where our text has brought us. If you have submitted your life in faith to Jesus Christ, this change has already taken place. You've become something different. We think about salvation sometimes. We think about the work that God is doing and we think about the future. What's gonna happen? When am I gonna experience this? What's gonna be next? And yet the Bible says again and again, hold up there, Charlie. If you've been saved, there's already been a change that's taking place. You are already reborn. That's why we call it born again. Did you know that's, that's not a modern invention? That's a biblical term. We call it born again. You've already been born. You're already different. That's why I've chosen to title this series of sermons with a, a graphic that shows a, a butterfly in various stages of that new birth. We see the caterpillar and we see the cocoon. We see three or four different stages. And then finally, there's a butterfly because that butterfly has already been made different. It's grown up. 
I remember in the 80s in children's church or maybe kids choir, there was a song that was pretty popular back then that we used to sing. And, and the, the hook in the chorus said, bullfrogs and butterflies, they've both been born again. Anybody else here old enough to remember kids choirs in the 80s? Thank you, Maria Black, for having my back. I just appreciate you and I love you today. Bullfrogs and butterflies. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Shopper, you're there. Bullfrogs and butterflies have both been born again, and, and it was really just that line over and over and over again until the adults in the room got nauseous, which strikes me as not unique to children's music. That's kind of how a lot of Christian music goes, just that one line over and over and over again. Bullfrogs and butterflies have both been born again. Here's the point. Tadpoles don't remain tadpoles, right? Caterpillars don't remain caterpillars, they grow up. And I think the problem that Paul is trying to address in his letter is that there are too many butterflies in the church that are still crawling around on the ground thinking they're caterpillars. They don't realize that they've become something different. There are too many bullfrogs in God's kingdom still swimming around in the shallows like a bunch of tadpoles because they don't realize that they've become something different. I was reminded as I was putting these notes together that my son Tyler took his first steps on Mother's Day. He was just a few weeks beyond his first birthday and we always thought it was sweet of him to choose Mother's Day as the day to take his first steps. At that point, he was already a very accomplished crawler and he was a quite skilled climber. He was very good at those things, but Walking was something that just didn't seem to have very much interest to him. You know, thank you very little. He's not interested in that. He's doing just fine getting. He could get anywhere he wanted to go. Most places that Sue and I didn't want him to go by crawling and by climbing. But eventually he decided, okay, I'm going to give this walking thing a whirl. And so on Mother's Day, he walked, took a few steps, and then decided, I don't, I don't see the big deal. And he only crawled then for a number of weeks. He went a number of weeks. We were telling people Tyler took his first steps and I don't know how many of them believed us because he, he just wouldn't walk again. And from his perspective, I can only imagine at that moment he's thinking, what's the big deal? I can get where I need to go better if I crawl, if I climb, if I scoot. There's a lot of ways I can get from here to there, but I'm just not very good at walking. So why would one walk when one could crawl? There's a perspective change. He had at this point the ability to walk, but he chose to live the old way instead because it just seemed better to him. I think an important part of growing up is recognizing that in Jesus, we are capable of more than sometimes we realize. And according to Paul, one of the things that you are capable of in Jesus is this. You can produce more. You can produce more. Now, I want to be clear on the intonation of this phrase. Some of us have probably had, okay, all of us have probably had the experience of sitting in our boss's office, you know, at review time and being told, you know, Dan, that would be my experience. We really think you can produce more. And that's really just kind of a thinly veiled way of saying we don't think you're doing a very good job here. That's not what the Lord is saying to us today. He is saying he, there's a different emphasis here. He's saying that because of the work of the Spirit of God within you, you now have a greater capacity. You can produce more. Not we think you can produce more. No, 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 no. You can produce more. It can happen. Paul puts it this way in his list. We read it a few moments ago in verse 10. He says it's bearing fruit in every good work. You can do this. 
You can produce more. You might not have realized it, bullfrog or butterfly, but you're actually capable of producing more than you used to be capable of. The things we do, watch this, one, as followers of Jesus, two, in the power of the Spirit, and three, in submission to the Father, those things have lasting effect. They always have lasting effect. Those things matter. They impact eternity. Sometimes I think we're a little bit afraid to step into a challenging role in ministry because it seems like failure is too likely a possibility. You see, in the old way of being, in the world, before we were changed, we got used to evaluating our options on a risk-reward basis, didn't we? That's how the world works. We would try and decide, am I going to do this or am I going to do that, based on how likely is it that I'm going to succeed versus how likely is it that I'm going to fail, and, and is the success worth, worth the risk of failure? That's how we learned to live. If failure was likely, we took a pass. But part of growing up spiritually is awakening to the reality that nothing God calls his people to do will ever fail. Do we hear that? Nothing God calls his people to do will ever fail. Okay, sometimes the results are different than what we expected. Uh, sometimes they take longer to see. Sometimes there's things that we in this life may never fully know about or understand, but nothing that God calls his people to do will ever fail. The new creations in God's kingdom bear fruit in every good work, without exception. Each one of us probably has people in our lives that we have looked up to spiritually. Uh, we can see people and think of people that we have envied for their obvious effectiveness in God's kingdom. We see them do their thing and, and they don't seem to struggle the way I seem to struggle with things. Things work out for them. We see the fruit in their lives. And, and from my perspective, it looks like so-and-so just like whatever they put their hand to prospers. They have good results I believe God has given us those people and God has given us that perspective on them for our encouragement and for our motivation. We can learn from their example, but God has not given them to us so that we might be intimidated and say, well, I can never be like that. No, 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 no. The word of the Lord here is you can be like that. I created you, you are something different. I recreated you. You are a new creation and you can be more like what you see. So follower of Jesus, I want you to know this today. God will save people through your testimony. God will heal people through your prayers. God will bless people through your giving. God will disciple people through your example. God will encourage people through your words and God will bless people through your actions. All of those things, bullfrogs, are going to happen because you're something different now. The next thing that you do for Jesus may well be the most successful thing you've ever done. The next thing you do for Jesus may well be the most successful thing you've ever done because you've become something different. And that means you can produce more. I find that one of the most common obstacles that discourage people in their spiritual growth is the sense that they just don't, they don't, just don't know enough. 
Uh, they feel like they just don't know enough about God or they just don't know enough about the Bible or whatever it might be. And that's probably because when we were old creatures, there's a lot about God that we did not understand. The great prophet Isaiah described Israel, the nation of God, this way. He said, these people are ever hearing, but never understanding. These people are ever seeing, but never perceiving. How many of us have felt like that at one point or another? We, we open the Bible, we hear the preacher read a verse, uh, we, we listen to somebody talk about their experience in prayer or what have you, and we think, boy, I've heard all those words before, but I have no idea what's being talked about right now. Ever hearing, ever hearing, but never understanding, ever seeing, but never perceiving. Here's the thing, all of that changes when we submit to Jesus and the Holy Spirit empowers us. When that happens, Paul says this, he says, you can understand more. You can understand more. Now I am not suggesting here that what this means is that the day you become a Christian, a light bulb goes off in your head and you instantly know everything. This is not a matrix moment where you just say, I know Kung Fu, I just got it. It's not that at all. The word of God, the nature of God, the character of God, these are wonderfully complex things that we can continue to learn about throughout our lives. But the point is that we can continue to learn about them throughout our lives. We can continue to study. There is no longer a limit on your ability to understand God. Can I say that one more time? Because I just like the freedom that that statement brings. There is, follower of Jesus, right? There is no longer a limit on your ability to understand God. It's just not limited anymore. It's just not limited anymore. Verse 10 again, Paul put it this way. He says, you're growing in the knowledge of God. You're growing in the knowledge of God. Jesus said this at that last meal he shared with his followers. He said, you know, guys, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, not some of the things, not a few of the things, not you're on a need to know basis and he'll decide to share a handful of them with you. No, he said the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and he will remind you of everything I have said to you. If you're looking for that one, it's not on the screen, but you can read it in John chapter 14, verse 26. Those are the words of Jesus. He's saying what Paul is echoing here. He's saying there is no longer going to be a limit on your capacity to understand. You're growing up now. You're learning and you're understanding more and more. In my experience, I've observed that spiritual children avoid studying the Bible because they think they can't understand the Bible. They maybe read it in the past or heard some verses in the past and they didn't understand it then. And so they assume that I'm just one of those folks who never, never, ever is going to get it. That's spiritual immaturity. I'm not going to study the Bible because I think I can't understand the Bible. But growing up involves the decision to study God's word because you recognize that you can understand more. That the spirit of God within you has equipped you to grow in the knowledge of God. Now, as I said a few moments ago, does complete understanding happen on day one? Of course it doesn't. But each time we study God's word... Each time we listen to his voice in prayer, each time we pause as we did together a few moments ago and said, let's just wait to see what God might do. Let's listen in our spirits 
for his voice, each time we meditate on his character, each time we grow in our understanding, each time. In a letter to his brother Theo, the famous artist Vincent van Gogh once wrote, now hardly a day passes that I do not make something. As practice makes perfect, I cannot but make progress. Each drawing one makes, each study one paints is a step forward. Don't you love that? The master, Van Gogh, recognizing that even today, every day that goes by, I've got to create something because each drawing one makes and each study one paints is a step forward. Even Vincent van Gogh recognized that every day he could learn something more about his craft. And you and I are no different. We are growing up. There's something very, very different about us. We are not who we used to be. We can be more productive. We can be wiser but we can also be stronger and more steadfast. According to Paul, when you become this new creation in Christ, you can withstand more. Do you remember, I hope you remember, last year we, we did a study together of the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation opens with these letters written to churches that kind of stand as an example of God's final word to his people. And these seven letters we read one at a time, at the end of most of them, there is a special blessing given, a special blessing pronounced over particular people in the church. And the blessing is not given to those who have uh, maybe learned the most. The blessing is not given to those who have followed Jesus the longest. The blessing is not given to those who are the coolest in this way or that way. The blessing is worded this way. He said, to those who overcome. God's final word to his people includes a blessing to those who overcome. Could we say, as I have on the screens, withstand. To those who withstand, to those who overcome. If you open the concordance of your Bible or maybe do a word search on Bible Gateway for endurance, you're going to find over a hundred references to the quality of endurance in the Old and New Testaments combined. If you follow that up with a word search on patience, you're going to find several dozen more references to patience. You see, one cannot help but understand when we read the word of God that the idea of endurance and patience and overcoming is required for one who wishes to live a godly life. We are going to have to withstand all kinds of opposition and adverse circumstances. But Paul says part of growing up is recognizing that you can withstand those things. He tells the Colossians in, in verse 11 that part of growing up is being strengthened with all power. He goes on to say this is what you will require so that you may have great endurance and patience. Growing up requires the development of endurance and patience. I want to give you an image here and it's a cliche but I think we've all seen it, and many of us probably have experienced it. It's the family on the road trip. Maybe they're going to Disney World. I didn't think of that, but maybe they're going to Disney World. Mom and dad are in the front seat of the car, and the kids are in the back seat of the car. We're more, no more than 20 minutes away from the house. And what's the question that comes from the back seat? Are we there yet? You all knew it. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Journeys take time, don't they? They require patience. 
They involve the potential of obstacles or setbacks. You could get a flat tire on the trip. You could get lost and have to turn around. You could not make it to your hotel because of the weather that came in and slowed your journey. There are all kinds of things that will require resilience on the part of the traveler. Getting anywhere of value necessitates endurance. I think then if it were up to most kids, we, we would never go anywhere. Because that's not fun. But growing up involves developing the strength and the conviction required to endure the journey. And dare I say, to enjoy the journey. Because you know that the destination is worthwhile. Growing up spiritually is the same way. It requires the discipline. In our spiritual infancy, a lot of times we lack the patience required to get anywhere worthwhile. We lack the stamina, we lack the courage needed to continue in the face of opposition. And far too early in the journey, we're heard to say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? But in Jesus, as new creations, now we have the ability to withstand what we couldn't before. Christian, you're stronger than you realize. You aren't the child that you used to be. You've become something different. And I think that's worth rejoicing in, don't you? Now, fortunately, growing up has an impact on our capacity to do exactly that, to rejoice. Paul says that as a new creation, you can celebrate more. As a new creation, you can celebrate more. I want you to think about this. Think about the typical child's birthday party. Now, I understand some kids have big birthday parties. Some kids have little birthday parties. When I was a grade school-age kid, uh, I grew up in Villa Park. Um, Enchanted Castle was over in Longmark. That was the pizza place with the video games. Today at Enchanted Castle, there's go-kart tracks and helicopters, I think, and I don't know what all, but back in, back in the day, it was greasy pizza and coin-operated video games. And that's where we all had our birthdays. We all went to the Enchanted Castle. Maybe you go to the pool in the summer for a birthday. Maybe you go to the, the inflatable jump-up place with the jumpy jumpies, right? Maybe you hire a clown to come. That's when you know you're at a really good birthday party, when they actually hired a clown to show up. Or the guy uh, that brings the, the snakes and the lizards and the reptiles and comes and does a show. That's a really good birthday party, isn't it? Right? But the kids come for two or three hours. They eat a whole lot of candy. You eat the cake. You got your presents. You got your party favors. Not a bad birthday party, right? Not a bad birthday party. Now I want you to think about how grown-ups party. I, I want you to think about Mardi Gras in New Orleans, or maybe Carnival in Rio. I want you to think about Oktoberfest in Munich. I want you to think about Burning Man in the American Southwest. I want you to think about the running of the bulls in Pamploma, or Times Square on New Year's Eve. That's what happens when grown-ups party. Millions of dollars are spent. Nobody rented a clown for the afternoon. Cities get shut down when grown-ups party. The National Guard is called in for security when grown-ups party. Now, let's set the moral issues aside and just say grown-ups have a greater capacity to party than kids do, do they not? 
I mean, we think of the little kids as the ones that like to have fun, but can we take an honest look at our culture here and say grown-ups have a much bigger capacity to partay than the kids do? Paul says that that's actually a pretty natural part of growing up. He put it this way in verse 12. He says, part of your development is giving joyful thanks to the Father, the one who has saved us. You can celebrate more as you grow in the faith. You can celebrate more. You can throw bigger parties as you grow in the faith. When I think of the people that I look up to in the faith, I recognize a quality virtually across the board that I really hope to emulate. They love Jesus more today than ever before. They express more gratitude today than ever before. They see their salvation as a bigger miracle today than they could possibly have realized in the moment they first believed. I want you to think about that. If you're saved today, I want you to think about that moment where you first started to believe, when you first trusted, whatever that moment looks like for you, when you first said, yeah, I think I'm a Christian. Your salvation certainly felt like a big miracle. We all have different stories. Some will tell testimonies of of life change and instantaneous dynamic of healing of body and mind or spirit. Some of us, like myself, have a testimony where we grew up in a in a heritage of the faith and 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 our experience was a little bit different. They they run the gamut. Our stories run the gamut, but all of us, I would hope, can point to a moment where we said, you know what? God's done a miracle in my life. And that's made me different. My hope for you is that you're able to grow on that point. Sometimes the further and further we get from an experience, it seems smaller and smaller to us. Sometimes the further away we get, our perspective changes and we go, well, I, I, you know, I, I was, it was new, uh, I just, you know, I was in the moment. I just really didn't see it for what it is, but I have, I have greater context now, and I can understand that, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. But I think there's part of growing up in the faith that says the, the, the further away I get from that moment, the bigger it seems. The further I get away from that moment, the deeper I go into my understanding of the very nature of God, There were things going on in that moment that I didn't see then. He was saving me in ways I didn't have the capacity to understand. But you know what? I'm older now and I'm grown up more now and I can understand more. And I've got so much more to celebrate than I knew about back then. I hope that's your experience. I hope that as you grow in the faith, you grow in your capacity to celebrate. Nothing beats, well, this might not be politically correct. Can I have a dispensation for a moment? Nothing beats an old church lady who knows she's been saved. (laughs) You know the type. Some of y'all are the type, okay? Nothing beats an old church lady that knows she's been saved. Amen? There's more and more and more to celebrate. The more miles go on our spiritual odometer, the more we recognize, the more we realize that life, our spiritual life, ought to be the biggest party the universe has ever seen. And here's the good news, Paul says. It can be. It can be. 
When you were a kid, you had to hope that mom and dad would hire the clown. But now you're grown up, you can have as big a party as you want to have. I want to be more like that. I want to celebrate more. And so as we close today, can I ask you to do this? Can I ask you to stand to your feet? And I want to just invite you, maybe you want to lift your hands, maybe you want to close your eyes. I'm not going to tell you what this needs to look like because you're the grown-up. It's your party. It's your party. You, you could cry if you want to. See what I did there? But I'm going to lift my hands because, God, I'm just grateful today. I'm just grateful today. I give you thanks. Church, I want you to know that, that, that this is not just for me. That if you have words you want to speak right now, you can speak them in the silence of your heart, but you can speak them on your lips too. I'm the only one with a microphone. Nobody online is going to hear you. But this is a moment when we can, we can celebrate it because God, we're just grateful. We're grateful. We're grateful. We came in today and, and we worshiped and we sang. We sang a couple of new songs. We tried to learn them along the way. Good music. Um, You've, you've given us along the way. You gave Garrett an image just to tell us about. And we see that even now, Lord, that sometimes we grow up and we feel like that old rock. That old, crusty rock. And God, I, I just pray that you would smash us today. I pray that you would smash us and water would burst forth. Holy Spirit, water would burst forth. I pray, Lord, that you would use our lives to water the dry places in this world. I pray, Lord, that the deserts would be obliterated. I pray that droughts would be canceled. Because, God, we want to have a party. We want to have a party. We want to celebrate. Lord, I thank you that there is no longer a, a capacity. There is no longer a limit on what we can accomplish. It's no longer a matter of risk-reward. It's no longer a matter of trying to prognosticate or guess, is this going to work or is this not? But Lord, we just need to seek your will and be obedient unto it. Because nothing that your people do in your name, nothing that you give us to do, will ever fail. Will, it's not going to happen. God, we can produce more. I thank you that there's no longer a limit on our ability to understand your word. That every time, Lord, we open the word of God, every time we speak to you in prayer, every time we meditate on your character, every time we interact with you, Lord, we get something more. We get something more. There was a day when the words of scripture were dark to me because I, I lacked the Holy Spirit who would bring me into understanding. But that is no longer the case. I am now something different. God, I rejoice because tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to know more. I'm going to understand more. I'm going to have produced more. And tomorrow, I'm going to have a bigger party than I'm having today. Lord, help me to withstand more such that that would be the case. Help me to withstand the obstacles that are in front of me. Help me to withstand the adverse circumstances that are part of this journey of growing up. Pray that for myself today, but I pray it for my brothers and for my sisters that are here worshiping. Would your spirit pour out over us? Lord, in this room are a collection of people who, by your grace, 
have become something quite different. We are not who we used to be. Church, I don't do this much, but I'm going to ask you to repeat that line with me. Say, I am not who I used to be. Say it with me. I am not who I used to be. I want us to say it one more time. I am not who I used to be. In Jesus Christ today, I am not who I used to be. Thank you, Lord. Awaken us, Holy Spirit, to the capacities that we have as new creatures. Help us to no longer be butterflies crawling around on the ground like a bunch of caterpillars. Show us how much we can accomplish. Show us how much we can understand. Show us how strong we can be when we follow you in obedience. Bless us as we grow into the new people of the kingdom you have created us to be. That is a kingdom with a king. His name is Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray these things. And everybody says, amen Amen and amen. New creatures, rejoice in who God has made you to be. I think a good way to start a party is to grab a handful of candy on your way out and have a wonderful Sunday afternoon.